Welcome to another edition of the Give Me Liberty podcast. The issue we're tackling on today's podcast is something that we felt absolutely necessary to be addressed from the Word of God. There is so much cultural confusion on human sexuality, sexual orientation, and gender identity that it has impacted many churches and denominations, including many influential mainstream and conservative churches. Look, there's no place to hide. You have to be prepared to give an answer on this issue. And that's why we invited Dr. Tom Askell of Grace Baptist Church to come on and sort it all out. An important conversation about a very influential megachurch pastor and the LGBT movement with Dr. Tom Askell on the Give Me Liberty podcast starting now. And welcome back to the Give Me Liberty podcast. I'm joined by our very special guest, a friend of mine, Dr. Tom Askell. He's senior pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida, as well as the president of Founders Ministries, which also houses the Institute of Public Theology, something I'm very interested in. He, and it also has uh, Founders Ministries also puts out the Founders Journal. And Dr. Tom Askell is the host of the Sword and the Trowel weekly podcast. Dr. Askell, welcome. Brian, thank you so much. It's good to be with you again. Hey, great to see you. Um, you know, I wish the circumstances are that we're talking about some positive things in the news. More recently, some controversy from Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Community Church. I, I felt like uh, Tom, we had to talk about this. Uh, we are not the Standing for Freedom Center, the Give Me Liberty podcast. We are not heretic hunters. Uh, th this is not something we do. There's a lot of discernment ministries that are out there, and I love them. I love the work that they do. We don't do that. I I'm thinking about the students that we have here on campus at Liberty. I'm thinking about the the, the magnitude and the impact that uh, Andy Stanley has, um, that he certainly has done, uh, through the years, he's done some good things. He's said some good things. But there have been statements more recently, I would say in the past three years, that have been very troubling that have come from Pastor Stanley. And I think about uh, the legacy his father led, uh, being the, the pastor, senior pastor of First Baptist Church Atlanta. My grandmother, our family, supported In Touch for decades. Uh, and it had a huge, massive impact on my life. Uh, the preaching was father. He was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You know, there, there's no way uh, to think about Andy Stanley without thinking about his father and also thinking about his father without thinking about the son. And I felt like the more recent statement he made, we just have to take time to address that. So we're going to play that clip right now. Figure out how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay men and women, okay, a gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. 
Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-law's house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place, I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, God said no, and they still love God. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who wanna worship with us. And I know the verses, I know the clobber passages, right? We gotta figure this out. And you know what? I think you are. So Dr. Askell, he, he says a lot there uh, in those moments and in those two minutes. And of course, we don't have the, the full context of the sermon uh, to show our viewers, but essentially right then and there, you see um, him basically talking about having the faith that he doesn't have as much faith as maybe homosexual members of the community uh, to continue to want to come to church to worship their heavenly Father, um, you know, and he says, "I know the clobber passages." Now I'm just paraphrasing. He mentions First Corinthians six. He mentions Romans one. He mentions Leviticus. He says, "I know all about that," but essentially, he is amazed that how the church has treated uh, homosexuals that they would still want to come. Your thoughts? Well, there's so many things wrong with that statement. It just, uh, I'm grieved that he would make it and certainly grieved that he would make it as a pastor because you're right. He has tremendous influence. There are hundreds of thousands of people that follow his ministry and take their cues from him. And if they follow him in his line of reasoning that he just articulated in that clip, uh, they're going to be going down a very dangerous path. So let me start with, first of all, what he says about gay people, homosexual men and women that uh, he applauds their faith because they keep coming to church, though they know they might uh, experience rejection. And by that, I assume he means uh, being uh, addressed with what he calls those clobber passages in scripture, which teach that homosexual activity is clearly sin. Homosexuality, homosexual desires are clearly sinful desires. So the he he is uh, cutting off the people that he wants to be kind to, that he probably genuinely wants to love. He's cutting them off from the only source of hope and help and redemption that's available to them, which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Uh, those who are healthy don't need a doctor. It's those who are sick. Well, if you tell a sick man that he's not sick and that he's okay, that the cancer is not there, then you cut him off from the only hope of getting healed. 
And that's what's going on in this passage or this this uh, this clip that you you played. Homosexual people need to repent of their sin, not just their homosexuality, but all their sin, including homosexuality, and find forgiveness and healing and redemption and new birth in Jesus Christ. They can do that. But if you convince them that they can be homosexual, they can maintain their sinful appetites, their sinful desires, their sinful actions, and still have God as their father, then you've in effect, you're building them another road that goes around Jesus Christ. And though you may tell them that that road leads them to God, that road is leading them to hell. And so it's cruel. It's the worst kind of cruelty because it pretends to be, it affects to be loving. In reality, it is taking them away from Christ. It's blocking the only access they have to real redemption, which is the repentance of sin and faith in the Lord Jesus. So I grieve over that. I, I, I hate the fact that he's doing this to people who need Christ. Mm. Amen. I, I think about, you know, spiritual malpractice is, is just like medical malpractice. It hurts the patient and the doctor. So when you think about a, a, a pastor who is being derelict in their du duty, guess what? The, the congregants still suffer and he reaps the consequence of the judgment of God. You know, I'm reminded of the book of John is, is very clear that, you know, he basically says throughout all, you know, throughout the entire book in terms of his, you know, laying out the commandment of God, that if we're lovers of the world, we're not lovers of God. If we love God, if we truly love God, if we're wanting to worship the father, as he claims, we will do what he commands. If we say that we have no sin in the book of John, same thing, 1 John, we are a liar uh, and the truth is not in us. So he could not be more clear. And John is known as the lover of God. And so I, I, I think about, you know, the same clobber passage that he references in, let's say, 1 Corinthians 6 doesn't just name homosexuality as the only sin. There's other sins as well that are an abomination. And it's very clear that these, those who practice these things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, you're absolutely right. They don't reap the benefit of, of repentance, faith, and freedom in Christ, freedom not to sin. Uh, and so instead, it's about getting them into a church like a social club instead of actually providing, providing the true gospel. Um, I want to I go ahead, though, because... There's no way to talk about this in isolation. If this was just one thing, um, you know, it would be something where you say, well, that's, that's from left field. Uh, but I want to go to another uh, clip from earlier, this a couple of years ago, where he's talking basically about Old and New Testament. Um, there, was a, there was a tweet that just came out um, last year where he basically said, this is back in March, of uh, 2022, the Christian faith doesn't rise and fall in the accuracy of 66 ancient documents. It rises and falls on the identity of a single individual, Jesus of Nazareth. But I wanna play this clip concerning the Old Testament. Peter, James, Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we must as well. And I'll tell you why. It's actually the same reason they did because we must not make it difficult for those Gentiles who are turning to God. So there you go. We must unhitch 
the scriptures. Now he says, Peter, James, John, right? Paul, they did the same thing. Uh, your thoughts on that, and I, and I know what you're going to say, but I think it's important because if you have that line of thinking, of course you're thinking that way about everything else, right? It's all connected. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, I wonder what New Testament he's reading. Uh, there are over 250 quotes in the New Testament of the Old Testament. And when you add in the allusions, there's about a thousand or more various allusions to Old Testament scriptures to say that the New Testament faith unhitches from Old Testament scripture is just lunacy. It, it is, it's completely erroneous. I read the book of Acts, see how many times the apostle Paul and, and Silas and Barnabas and Peters and, and, and Stephen and other evangelists refer to the Old Testament. It is written as a common refrain in the New Testament. So this is just uh, completely uh, out of left field. This has nothing to do with biblical Christianity. And for him to think that the, uh, the authenticity or legitimacy of our faith doesn't rest upon the reliability of the 66 books of the Bible shows how disconnected he is from the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, Jesus talks about how all the scripture testifies of me. The scriptures are all a revelation of God in Jesus Christ. So I don't know what it is that he's concocting, and I don't know why he feels like he's got to come up with something different than what the Word of God actually says, but the way that he lays out there, if a person follows it, will lead them away from the God of the Bible, from the Lord Jesus who's revealed in Scripture. Yes, our faith hinges on Jesus Christ, but how do we know Christ? You cannot have Christ as Lord of your life if you do not have the written Word of God as Lord of your conscience. If you're not looking to the revealed Word of God in the Scriptures to guide you. So this attempt to separate Jesus from the Bible, it's an old trick and it fails every time. You cannot have Jesus apart from the Scriptures or else you will have a Jesus of your own imagination. And that's my fear, that uh, what, what Andy's doing here is setting people up to go down that pathway and have their own self-styled Jesus that's nothing like the real Jesus. And in a way, um, it is though the, there has been kind of an idol made out of evangelism. And when I say that, that sounds contradictory. Aren't we supposed to evangelize the nations? Aren't we supposed to fulfill the Great Commission? Yes, but he says teaching, he says very clearly, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And Jesus right. by no means uh, you know, eradicated the Old Testament. He's very clear in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, I didn't come to abolish the law or prophets, but to fulfill all. Um, you know, Matthew begins with a genealogy going all the way back to Adam. And it's very clear that if Matthew was trying to unhitch from the Old Testament, if Jesus had sort of said, hey, we're going to just do away with all that new project, here we go, Matthew would have known that. He would not have written his gospel that way. Um, it is very clear that all of that is, um, is cohesively part of a whole. If anything, it's about the separation of the Old and New Covenant, and we got to be very careful there, because even, the, even in the Old Covenant, they were not saved by 
circumcision, by this outward marking or sign, but ultimately saved by faith. That's the whole uh, Pauline argument in Romans that, uh, that Abraham was saved before the law of Moses was ever issued. Uh, and how? He was saved by faith. He was Abram, Ur of the Chaldeans. So all of this stuff is, it, it's clear to me that we really do need to know our Bible. Um, I appreciate what you're doing at Founders Ministries. When I thought of uh, somebody that I could bring on as a guest, um, I, I thought of no one else but you uh, because of the things that you're doing there, both in public theology, but then also the recovery really of the, the, the scriptures, the authority of God's word and the gospel. This is something you're committed to as a ministry. And I wanted to take a few minutes to devote to that, what you guys are doing, why it's so important that churches stand on the authority of God's word. By the way, the entire Bible is red letter, the whole thing, all scriptures God breathed. Yeah. Amen. That's exactly right, Ryan. And thank you uh, for that, because uh, we are now celebrating our 40th year as a ministry. Founders Ministries began uh, out of a prayer meeting in late 1982. And our first conference was 1983. We've recently uh, just celebrated with our 40th anniversary conference here in Southwest Florida in, in Cape Coral and Fort Myers. And uh, we're going forward. We're looking forward to the next however many years God is pleased to sustain us. But we are. We're all about recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches according to the word of God. And we started two years ago this Institute of Public Theology, which is a training center for men going into pastoral ministry primarily, but it's also open for others. Uh, just announced last week uh, various de degree programs and de degree tracks where a person can get a bachelor's degree, uh, various master's degree through our training center with men like Bodie Balkum and uh, uh, Tom Nettles, Conrad M. Bayway, um, uh, Travis Allen. Uh, we, we just God has assembled uh, a great faculty. Mark Coppinger as well uh, teaches for us. So we, we're, we're delighted. Reverend Carl Truman is a guest professor this summer to uh, teach on ethics. And we, it's just desperately needed. What we discovered, what, what became so apparent across 2018 through 2022 is that many evangelical churches, many evangelical pastors are simply not equipped to address what is coming, what's here, and what I think is coming even more forcefully in the years ahead of us, to undermine and to attack biblical Christianity. Uh, we've lived off the largesse of those who have gone before us and God's faithfulness and outpouring his spirit in revival for generations, and we can no longer bank on that. We've got to start making some deposits of our own, and in order to do that, we're gonna need men leading churches who are well-equipped to think theologically about all of life and who have courage mixed with their convictions. One of the things about the Institute that I like to say is that all of our professors have blood mixed with their convictions. They're confessional, but they are also men who have been proven in the battle. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity. I think it has the potential to be the most significant lasting ministry that Founders has ever been involved with across uh, all of the decades that we've been doing what God's called us to do. So thank you for the opportunity for letting me talk about that for a few moments. Absolutely. Well, we certainly love you, appreciate you. You've been here at Liberty University. You've actually spoken at one of our summits. I think two of them, actually. I think and so. We'd love to have you back. Yeah, um, well, so appreciate all that you're doing. And uh, thank you for standing for the word of God and for truth 
And um, I, I'm just going to point something else out. I was so proud to see that you had the opportunity. That's not not many pastors get this opportunity, but to pray the inauguration of mm. uh, Governor Ron DeSantis there in Florida for his second term. Man, that was an amazing thing. Uh, we, we certainly appreciate what he's doing to stand for religious liberty and freedom in the state of Florida. Amen. Yeah, that was a great opportunity and honor. And I love my governor. I, I pray for him with joy every week in our gathered assemblies. As well. I pray for President Biden as well, but not with as much joy and thanksgiving. But I do pray for him. Uh, as Absolutely. We're but uh, God has blessed the state of Florida with a wonderful governor, and I'm delighted to, uh, to be able to support him any way that I can in the good work that he's doing. Dr. Tom Askell, pastor of Grace Baptist Church, thank you so much for joining the Give Me Liberty podcast. Hey, Ryan, thank you, brother. Thanks for all you're doing, and keep pressing on. Uh, we, we've got great work in front of us and a great God to do it for. Amen. Folks, stick around for final thoughts. Thank you for joining the Give Me Liberty podcast. I'm so grateful for Dr. Tom Askell taking the time to break down this most recent statement from Andy Stanley. I wanna repeat something that I said before. I am not a heretic hunter, and this is, this is not a discernment ministry whose primary focus is catching preachers and doctrinal error. We at the Standing for Freedom Center are at the intersect of faith in the public square. But because of the ministry and the impact of Andy Stanley and a largely mainstream evangelical and largely biblically orthodox circle, this had to be addressed. There is simply no way not to talk about this issue. Let's be clear. There's no such thing as a gay Christian. There's no such thing as an adulterating Christian, a lying Christian, a thieving Christian, or even a drunken Christian. We are only Christians because we have been reconciled to God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ by his shed blood on our behalf. We are not known by our sin. We are known by our faith and repentance. That is why Paul was so clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to say this, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Today, there are many evangelical churches that have traded the gospel for influence, who have sworn off biblical authority for popularity, likes, and follows, who have watered down the message and tickled ears to keep people in the pew. When evangelism and cultural influence has to become so irresistible that you have to literally change God's message, you are no longer preaching the word faithfully. No pastor has the authority to do that. We have simply been given the task of preaching the word. We can't omit unpopular passages of scripture because this cultural zeitgeist stands in disapproval. That's the real danger with Andy Stanley's own evangelistic methodology. He wants to get everyone in his church, hey, what's wrong with that? On the surface, nothing. That's well intended. But Jesus Christ and all of his grace, mercy, and compassion didn't have to lie or omit the truth in order to offer real and lasting forgiveness. You cannot be forgiven if you haven't repented of anything and haven't asked for forgiveness. John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This is so important, and I'll sign off with this. You cannot know about sin unless you have first come to face to face with a holy God.
God is holy, holy, holy. Isaiah experienced that in the temple. Moses took his sandals off at the burning bush because he was on holy ground. And Peter, when he first met Jesus, begged him not to look at him when he knew that he was face to face with the Lord. The role of a pastor is to preach the full counsel of God's word, period. And like a beggar who has found the only source of bread, he is to share and lead others to that same source. If you treat homosexuality or any other sin as though it is less of a sin, trivial, or no sin at all, you are leading people to their own destruction. That is why James warns us that not many of us should presume to be teachers, for we will be judged even more harshly. That's not just for Andy Stanley, but for all of us. There's so much more that can be said on this topic, and we'll have more opportunities to do just that. Until next time, God bless you.